Today we're talking about the sci-fi movie Serenity, and so I wanted to make sure we were all on the same page about what that means. Serenity is a noun that means the state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. And it sounds a lot like the word serendipity, but that's a different word, which means the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. And then, of course, there's siren, which is a device that makes a loud, prolonged sound as a signal or warning. And it's also a number of women or winged creatures whose singing lured sailors onto rocks. Very specific, that definition. Onto rock. Always onto rocks, it has to be. If they lure them onto a ship or onto some sand or to a taco truck, then they're not a siren anymore. What are they then? Anyways, my point is, you can use all of these in the same sentence, and people will respect you more. You could say, it was serendipitous that I met that siren who left me with a feeling of serenity. Now, I don't know why you would say that, but now you can. So congratulations, and I hope you enjoy this episode, which is much better than this intro, I assure you. I checked with the judicial chamber of podcasts, analysis, and competent review, so that you don't have to worry about that. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, bad, bad. Science. Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science. This is the show where we break down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. And today we are talking about 2005's Serenity, not the 2019 Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway Serenity. It is the sci-fi sequel to Firefly, the TV show, which was sadly canceled after one season, Serenity. I kind of think the movie should be called Firefly, but we'll get into it. I'll ask my guests how they feel about it, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're both probably fans of the TV show, which I've never seen. Maybe they'll start insulting me for never having seen it. We'll see. My two guests are perfect for today. I'm so excited to talk to them. First of all, she is an actress and writer you might know from Strange Angel and Hail Caesar. And she has a lovely podcast called Treks and the City. It's Veronica Osario. Hi, Ethan. How are you? I'm good, Veronica. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited with that introduction. I'm like, wow. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Great. I'm glad that you're excited. Last time I talked to you, it was on your podcast where yes. you talk about Star Trek with Alice Wetterland. And it was an absolute great time. And so I thought this would be perfect for you. This seems like totally up your alley, no? It's like 100% up my alley. It's literally what I wish I could just do all the time. This morning I was like, oh, wow, I signed up to like watch a movie and then talk about it. Mm. It was like <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Okay. Let me chime in with our next guest because she is absolutely phenomenal. She is the Deputy Director of Vehicle Engineering at Northrop Grumman. It's Dr. Amy Lowe. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, come on. We are delighted to have you. I have so many questions for you, some related to Serenity, some not related, some science, some stupid. So I hope that you will be patient with me. Oh, I will try my best to answer whatever questions you have. I'm going to try to make you lose your patience on purpose. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Let's give it a go. That's okay. really emotionally draining questions. Yes. Mm, I'm like how I'm handling COVID. That would be emotionally draining. Oh, my God. Well, let's see if we go there. Yeah. Well, listen, before we jump into Serenity and all the craziness that is in this movie, I wanted to touch on the James Webb Space Telescope, which I understand, Amy, you either helped build or you worked on for a while. Can you tell me what this telescope is, 
why it's important. I would try to summarize it myself from what I learned today, but I think perhaps you'll do a better job. <laughs> sure. So I've been working on the James Webb Space Telescope since, uh, boy, 2012. So for about the last uh, eight years. So the Webb Telescope is the successor to the Hubble Space Telescope. So I think, you know, most people who are into science and space know a little bit about the Hubble Space Telescope, you know. It's a space telescope, so it means that it's a telescope that's in space, orbiting around the Earth. And uh, Hubble is in what's known as a low Earth orbit. And uh, Hubble takes these beautiful images uh, of, um, you know, distant uh, uh, galaxies. It also takes beautiful images of gas clouds. And if you Google Hubble, you'll see a whole ton of stuff that Hubble has done. And Hubble's been up for a long time. So like scientists are prone to do, they want the next bitter, bigger and better thing. And this is the next bigger and better thing. And so in astronomy, the thing that you know makes you bigger and better is literally the size and the diameter of your telescope. And uh, so JWST is going to be six and a half meters. So um, it's uh, pretty darn big. We, uh, we've been designing and building JWST um, really since about 2002. Coincidentally, the release year of Firefly, but anyways. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Anyway, um, so uh, let's see, JWST, we're uh, our launch day time when we are going to put JWST into space. Um, That's going to be October of 2021, so next year, so in just uh, over a year. Um, So we're in the final, you know, kind of testing phase and putting everything together, putting the finishing touches on it. It's pretty intense. Um, It's, you know, this kid is now uh, 18. So in Canada is of legal drinking age. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Is the goal to like see further than the Hubble? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The, the goal for JWST is, is stronger than Better. looking at the very first light, the very first Whoa. stars, the very first galaxy that's ever formed. So first bright things ever. What can that ah, That is so us. amazing. Um, so what it can tell us is the conditions in the early universe that led to what we see now. So, you know, it's like take a person as an example, right? We've got pictures of you as an adult now, Ethan, you know, Veronica, I've got pictures Some of, of them, we wish we, he would so, delete. Yeah, most. You know, we'll talk about that. And then we have your early 20s photos, adolescent photos, etc. you know? And then the question really is, you know, what were you like as a baby? You know, the, the really the foundational formation thing, you know? You one of those big headed bald kids? Or were you like really hairy? I mean, what, right? And so it, it's kind of funny to say it that way, but really you're taking the baby pictures of, you know, the very early universe, um, the very first stars and very first galaxies. And that really allows you getting into the science a little bit. The density and the distribution and the size of these things tells you about the early universe, how much stuff there was. These are like deep questions that astronomers and scientists have about, you know, how the universe works and JWST will be trying to answer some of that. Awesome. The other exciting thing about JWST, which probably, you know, I go on about the early universe because that's what I did for my uh, thesis. Uh, The other very exciting thing about JWST is that it may allow us to look at planets that are close by. And uh, we all know why we want to look at planets that are close by. That is, of course, to look at comparative planetology development um, is to look at the existence of potentially life elsewhere. 
Like, so, did they develop magic yet or no? You know, like, the questions I want to know. Is there microbial life elsewhere? Is there possible? Uh, I'm like, not here for the microbe. I, I know. People are like, why are you talking about leaves? I'm like, who are your top entertainers? Yeah. Do you have close up card magic yet or not? If not, no need to go there. Improved on anything about like loosening up a, a knot or something, you know? I wish people could now see the uh, video here, <laughs> Veronica's <laughs> performance. Was... Um, so actually, this ties in perfectly to my first question about serenity. Wait, wait, um, before, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have a question about like the the, the populations in, nearby. Yeah, come on. Because there was a news this week about there being people in the clouds of Venus, or that's how I read it. <laughs> okay, so what they what, what so there was a paper that was published, and scientists and astronomers found was a thing called phosphine in the atmosphere of Venus. So they have some very good signals that this thing called phosphine is in the atmosphere of Venus. And from what they have done in terms of research and in terms of some, you know, looking at uh, experiments, phosphine doesn't, it, it, there's very few ways it could be generated other than and what we understand as biological. Okay. So, hmm. so it's as if they found, they found like a uh, gasoline, like that's not, that's human made. That's like, not doesn't, it's a chemical so, that you wouldn't find it unless someone's making it. Right. So gasoline is a pretty good example, right? Because gasoline is fossil fuel and fossil fuel is carbon-based, uh, you know, it's, it's dead dinosaurs. Thank that you, dinosaurs, for the disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so that type of stuff is difficult to find without a biological origin now. As with everything in science, it's not impossible. And there are mechanisms that we may not understand that could cause us a blah, 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 caveat, caveat, caveat. It's still a pretty <laughs> exciting discovery, in my opinion. Yeah, what what do you think that that means? I'm just like a bunch of Amazonians is like who live in the clouds. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Oh, I've weird crap in Venus. Let's go find it. <laughs> yeah, let's get out there. Right, let's go Can find it. Can you just send that the telescope right to... Right to the clouds of Venus uh, and check so it out? Unfortunately, we can't, but uh, hey, NASA, send a uh, probe over there. Yeah, right? all of NASA does listen to this, so they are they do hear you. That's right, yeah. What is your wildest theory about what there could be in the, those clouds? What do you uh, think? What do you picture? Mm -hmm. oh, um, um, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but, you know, there could be micro... I, you don't want to hear it. Micro no, no, you want... You want like, I'm like Lady Gaga. People in, like... Drag queen. Like, cloud City <laughs> thing, right? With, like, shuttles and... Yeah. I'm, a, I'm like, feathers. Glitter. It's yeah. Venus. Absolutely. Pink hippopotamus. Like super weird flying <laughs> elephant things. Oh yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Right. We'll edit that together so that it sounds like Amy's saying that that's the most common thing that it was. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell were you saying on that podcast, man? You know what? I believe in that. I believe I stand by what I said. That's what okay. you we all want it to be, you know, big cool things, right? I mean, when they draw stuff that's you know, artist's conception of what could be underneath Europa's ice crust, I mean it's always like big whale looking things and dolphins. I mean, nobody wants to find like mm -hmm. shrimp. Yeah, or like amoeba. Yeah, or like, like a little who cares? weird crustacean, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's like I'm over it. You have what, one, two cells, got it? Right, next. thank you. One, two cells, next, next. right? Please evolve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling people that all the time, by the way. Um, okay, so Serenity. The beginning of this movie 
they basically just very quickly explain that it's in the future and that in the future we have different planets where people are that have created cities due to terraforming. Uh, terraforming is basically when we make land livable for us on different planets, from what I gather. Yeah, you take a planet and you make it livable, right? You Yeah, you put a Dairy Queen and uh, you call it a day, from what I understand. In and out. Yeah, you put it in and out and uh, a water park and now people can live there. Sorry, so, not affiliated. In less than 30 seconds, we've created a nightmare. This that is what is humans we do, do, right? We go and we litter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which does remind me I have space trash questions as well, but we'll get there. So my question is, since we clearly don't give a crap about destroying the Earth, since that's like totally our thing for whatever reason, are we planning to do this? In the movie, it says that it would take decades. I feel like it's got to take more than decades. I don't know what kind of tech they have. or I mean, maybe I'm wrong and you can correct me, but... Could we, let's say in 40 years, four decades, do you think we could have like some substantial progress into terraforming the moon or Mars? I think the moon would be harder because uh, the first step to any kind of terraforming to make it habitable for people is that you have to have some kind of atmosphere, unless you're happy living in domes all the time, which is acceptable. But the idea of terraforming is so that you could live in the quote, um, well, I guess now unnatural environment that you've created, right? So you don't actually mm. have to live in a dome. So number one would be forming an atmosphere. And if we want to form the atmosphere for uh, the moon, then we got to probably either carry or excavate all the volatiles that we need to make an atmosphere, like all the gases and stuff. And that'd be a lot of work. So you yeah. want to start with somewhere that does have an atmosphere already. An M-class planet. Exactly, an M-class planet. Bam. Why it's an M-class planet. And in fact, the atmosphere composition and pressure is pretty similar to the Earth, so only minor tweaks are needed. Mars is not quite there, but it could be close if we do stuff like um, evaporate a lot of the carbon dioxide that's trapped in the mm. poles. So, I mean, we're talking now really massive stuff that we would do. To do it. it. Uh, can we do it in 40 years? I mean, I suppose, you know, all things are possible, concentrated efforts, etc. Okay. Uh, yeah, probably. I will tell you that one of my favorite terraforming things, which, by the way, I'm, I'm just going to say right now, uh, do not try this at home. It is probably not feasible. Is uh, back in, gosh, I think it was the 70s, someone proposed that we basically take one of the moons of, of Mars. So there's two moons, Phobos and Deimos and smash it into Mars. Whoa. And especially into the polar regions, and that would like instantly vaporize all kinds of volatiles and create an atmosphere, and then um, it would really speed up the process. So Holy crap. That, smash a moon into the planet at the right place where it excavates a lot of the volatiles, and you could probably speed the process up. I mean, it'd be pretty traumatic. you yeah. leave a big yeah, scar. And like... Um, that Darth Vader's plant. Right. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I was going to assume that that's something like Veronica and I would come up with and you would shoot down because it's like destroying a planet and also destroying the moon. Uh, everything's on the cards. This is amazing. Listen, I like that this cool. is where we could go, you know? Smashing a moon on a planet, I like it. This is better than the two-cell, you know... Yeah, finding life, quote-unquote. Yeah. <laughs> the the idea of so the moon it's actually kind of scary the more I learn I I know a lot about tarot and the moon is a big thing with anything spiritual religious like obviously it's a body that's just attached to the earth and it's the closest one and it's the biggest one and it has the most influence. I have so many questions about the moon but like the second the dark side of the moon 
Is there something there that's worthwhile for any of us to do there or just keep naming crates after bad people? Oh, well, um, let's see, astronomers have proposed putting some telescopes there, which would be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff you could do on the dark side of the moon. I mean, the dark side of the moon is just the side we can't really see, you know? So I don't know if there's anything scientifically speaking too special about it, I'll be honest with you. Um, I figured. No microbes, though, so there's that. Is it cold? Like it's the coldest, yeah. right? It's a, it's, 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 you know, it, it, it's a, uh, when the sun's not shining on it, it's cold. I, I wonder what it means spiritually to like take control of the moon and smash it into the planet. Like what, how would tarot cards, you know, you would have to burn all those cards. Spiritual Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Spiritual yeah, Twitter yeah. would flip out. Like the spiritual community tried to hex the moon recently a few months ago so tried to hex the moon what does that mean i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but it's the thing that it was attempted and so That's other really witches funny. were like no one mess with the moon just don't mess with them hey like, you know 2020 is kind of eventful enough maybe we could stop <laughs> doing weird things like someone sent me this link that we're about to open some kind of 2000 year old egyptian sealed sarcophagus and we're like why don't we give it a few months? Yeah, yeah. Every movie says no. Don't you know that it's... Seriously. Yeah. It's like, not the thing to do. Never they... split up. Never right. open an Egyptian sarcophagus. Always take your flashlight. I mean... Uh, this reminds me of what we're... Of Serenity. I mean, I can't not think about it. The movie mm -hmm. I just watched and cried. It, I did not expect to cry so many times, by the way. Where did you cry? Oh, I cried. Cry, I, I cried uh, when later when when the brother who seems like my sister have to protect my sister. Uh, Simon, uh, I believe. Simon, yes. Sorry, yeah. I'm bad at names. He was like shot, and I was like, no. He just confessed his horniness to the other girl. Like, <laughs> I, this is what I want. I just was hoping for that sex, and then he goes and <laughs> almost dies. It got me. I was just like, wow. The, the part that really got me, and I think got a lot of people, was uh, Wash the pilot. Oh my god, yeah. Oh like, yeah. That came out of nowhere. I didn't see that coming at well, all. When we watched it the first time, it really was just. That's a gut know, punch. You felt it, man. You felt that stake. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you, by the way, a spear from the Reavers, I believe they're called, kills Wash, right? It comes through the window and just puts a hole in him. And I was curious just about windows on spacecrafts. Like, we still make windows on our spacecrafts, right? But they got to be the strongest glass that we have, correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, for example, the International Space Station, all the windows are little things. Because mm -hmm. uh, they have to withstand enormous pressure, and right. they also have to withstand, you know, the probability of a couple of, uh, uh, you know, small meteors striking them and things like that, right? Oh. And so the windows are supposed to be pretty tough. Now, having said that, if you look at the sort of design of Serenity, uh, uh -huh. and, yeah, look at the front bay right. of windows. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where they do the entry from. You're a little like, oh, maybe it's a slightly differently designed vehicle. Uh, okay. I didn't want to say poorly designed because that seems sort of rude. Uh, but, you know, that's not how I would drive that thing. But, hey, that's just... Yeah. How would you drive it? How would you... Well, it certainly wouldn't enter the atmosphere front-facing like that with windows. I mean, who does that, right? You have ablative shields. That's what the shuttle has, right? That's what all re-entry stuff has. And there are mm -hmm. these black thermal tiles and you you basically turn your butt towards the atmosphere as you do the re-entry so that that stuff that black thermal tile takes all of the heat and friction mm. of the re-entry you wouldn't 
do your fragile stuff in the breeze first. getting burned. Yeah, when it comes to heat, you want to go ass first. I hear you. <laughs> That's what I always say. Hey, man, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess you weren't shocked that the window shattered so quickly because the ship is a little bit janky, let's say. Yeah, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, you know, they had some cracks because it's supposed to be, you mm. know, they're running out of money, right? And they don't have this money to patch Upsteep. things and right. stuff is a little run down. Okay, so. I was a little surprised by their aim, I got to say, because there was like scenes earlier where they were trying to hit them and they just could not hit our heroes. And then... That was their first shot, and it was right on, man. <laughs> it, it was okay. And then I have a question about that landing. Like um, overall, I mean, it was pretty rough. They just like go nose first, and then they they go plaka dong. And I was like, Wait, the accurate audio right there. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys don't have a way to check the movie, just know that this was accurate. <laughs> I was like, okay, so a fall like that, I would be dead. I'd probably be dead, right? Everyone would be dead. And before they like tie themselves. And then I was like, before they tie themselves, how are they just standing around with all this? Yes, I wrote down the same thing, Veronica. It's a great question. I was so confused about that. That thing was like spiraling downwards. They lost all control. They didn't have power. It was like like Apollo 13 is supposedly like a very realistic uh, space movie. And I guess you can kind of see them like they have to get strapped in because if not, they're moving about all over the place. So yeah, what did you think about that, Amy? I mean, yeah, it, you have to be strapped in. And the kind of Gs you're talking about, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't be able to move. Uh, so let's see. In general, they try to design uh, our, you know, shuttle and, and kind of man carrying, human carrying spacecraft for mm -hmm. about three Gs, so three times gravitational acceleration. And so you you can breathe, you can still function, everything's fine. Um, when you do something like a in the space station, for example, uh, there's escape crafts. They're little Soyuz uh, landers. Those Soyuz are pretty violent. They come down and they can get about five to six G. So it's, you know, it's pretty rough. At that point, you, you might pass out, you know, but I mean, these astronauts are pretty, eh, so they, yeah. they probably stay conscious and they have breathing and ways of, you know, holding themselves so that they're okay. Um, and so at, at that point, you, you I'd can't be like move. screaming. I'd be like, my father who are in heaven. I'm not even Christian Catholic anymore. And I would and you wouldn't be like, able to because you can't move your lungs. Oh, okay. You can't make, you, you, as soon as you open your mouth, what happens is all of the pressure, if it's in the right direction, it'll press down and then all the air just goes out. And so the, one of the things they tell you is hold your breath. Whoa. Um, not that not that you're likely to execute a five or six G landing, but you, in case you do, I'm gonna start service for announcement, hold your breath. Wouldn't you pass out quicker though if you hold your breath? Sorry. You you could. It depends on exactly what's happening to you. Blood vessels can constrict, your heart can be laboring, and that's part of the reason why you would pass out. But for a human being, um, you are uh, in serious trouble at around 12 G. Mm -hmm. I you just can't pump blood anymore. You actually can't breathe. And so a couple of, I don't know, call it a couple minutes of that and see ya. Don't know. So what, how many Gs do you think they were spinning at? I, you know, if I was a super nerd, I could calculate it and figure it out. Okay. We'll have a follow-up there. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask, speaking of the tarot cards you mentioned earlier, Veronica, our, one of our main characters, River, is a psychic. And so I tried to look up some stuff about psychics. Do you two believe in psychics? Yes. Okay. We have one I don't believe yes. that everyone that advertises themselves as psychic is a psychic, but I believe in psychics. 
and okay. people being psychics. Amy? Well, it depends on what you mean by psychic. I believe that people throw off a lot of unconscious clues and super perceptive people who are very good at picking those up and can read more than you would like to tell them. So I don't know if that qualifies as psychic or extrasensory perception, but I think that there are folks who are much better at it than, for example, I am. How about you, Ethan? Do you believe in psychics? I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of the type to like I can't say something doesn't exist because I just feel like there's infinite possibilities going on all the time it's the same thing with ghosts where it's like I can't say definitively ghosts exist I know for a fact they do here is my proof but you know to say that they don't is kind of ridiculous I feel like anything is kind of possible and I've heard just some stories like from my family that they had used to talk to psychics in Miami and that they were they were accurate and that they predicted things that there's no way they could have known. So who am I to say that that's not true? Um, but I was trying so hard for this to just find some like some sort of proof of psychics on the internet and I came up empty. So if you're listening to this and you have some sort of concrete evidence of anyone with psychic abilities, reach out to us and let me know because I need to get some proof on this. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people do. It's been like a mystery of the ages, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. So I also looked up this dude who I couldn't remember his name and then I tried to look it up, but apparently it's just the operative. He's like the bad guy in the movie. He does this like kidney uh, hit pinch move that stuns people. And so I looked up like, is there, what's this about, you know? And so I, that is not true. I mean, if you hit somebody in the kidneys, it like totally sucks, but it will not (laughs) stun them. But there is something called a brachial stun that there's like an army field manual on combatives and, and it describes it. Basically, it's like a sharp blow to the side of the neck that can cause unconsciousness. Amy's yeah. nodding like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, they I teach there you this? Or you... Uh, I think it's either side because part of what too. they're doing is they're um, they're interrupting the blood flow in your uh, choroidal artery. Yes. And you also have a nerve cluster there as well. I mean, you know, your neck's pretty sensitive, right? So yeah. those, those two things can make you pass out. I, I don't know how to do it. I mean, I kind of wish I did now. Maybe I'll look I'm like, Amy, is that in your NDA that you can't say that you know how to do it? I was going to say. You're actually a weapon. Are you a training weapon? Uh, Hell no. No, I can barely lift a spoon. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) She can barely lift a spoon, but she can knock you unconscious with one hit. I wish. Telescope out into fucking spell. I barely lift a spoon. Um, It's apparently it's it's like right in front of the ear on the neck. So I implore everybody to go try it out with your younger siblings. (laughs) In front Uh, of the ear? So like in front of? Yeah, like towards the jaw, I guess, but like on your neck. Oh. I don't know. That's what I read. You can Google it. There's YouTube videos that show you how to, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be saying this, but. No, no, no. Everyone should try it out and send us the videos. That's sweet. Can you do it to yourself? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Let's all try it now. I love that Amy okay. said out loud what I was like plotting inside in my head. She's a psychic. <laughs> oh, maybe. Okay, there's, uh, I mean, I have so many questions. Some of these are so ridiculous, Amy. So also apologizing that I'm like going all over the place. But someone, I think it's Mal, our, our main character, when they get to this like other planet, he says the gravity is Earth norm. And I was just curious if that's like a common phrase that anyone's ever said. Nope. <laughs> 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 I didn't think so. so 1G is 
obviously Earth gravity, right? 9.8 meters per second per second acceleration. That's that's what one G is. We're and so, one. you know, on, on Mars, we, we would say like smaller, right? Point, okay. G, Point. Something like that. Yeah, we use, we use Gs. Um, I think when you look at all the, so I own the DVD for Serenity. Shocking, I know. And there's like it's the extended. So Can we stuff. say how good it is, this movie? It's, it's yeah, the movie is yeah. awesome. And there's the extended stuff, and then there's the whole universe. And then um, if you really dig deep in the internet, there's like whole canons about the quote verse and everything mm. about it. Anyway, oh, verse, yeah. um, the verse. Uh, he, he developed, uh, by the way, there's comic books as well, which I own. Um, <laughs> Sick. <laughs> just nerding out. Uh, he tried to really develop a set of language uh, oh. and idioms for the universe. And so I think that's right. one of those things that he did to say. Nah, that makes sense. Yeah. By the way, the Chinese accents in this movie, I'm, I'm ethnically Chinese, are terrible. I was <laughs> yeah. wondering about that. I was wondering. Voice coaches and like, I thought the same thing. Right, man. First of all, they say in the subtitles, they say Chinese. And I'm like, well, is it Mandarin? Like, I don't know. And so I was wondering about that. And then... I was wondering about the actors and whether they would be saying actual things or if yeah. it was like when <laughs> Americans try to speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is Mandarin, although you can barely tell that it's Mandarin because mm. the accents are pretty terrible and they are saying real things or they're trying to say real things. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's sort of my only comment about that. So it's supposed to be right a blend of, um, in, in his explanations, uh, Joss was saying that Basically, given the two dominant cultures on Earth, 500 years in the future, by the way, Firefly Serenity is 500 years into the future from mm. now-ish. Okay. Um, and uh, so those those two languages would sort of merge and become sort of a superculture, and that's why you have representations of both. And so they speak both English and Chinese. But for, for these guys, this is supposed to be, you know, as fluent as their English. And so you feel a little right. bit like, come on, man. Yeah, and it's like you're, you know, getting paid to be in this movie slash TV show, you know, maybe take a course or get a teacher that shows you the accent a little bit. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just, you know, get it right. Oh, I'm being judgmental. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just echoing Amy's thoughts. I, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I was thinking, yeah, I wonder if they had someone on set all the time for this, for this uh, Mandarin every time they had someone do it, because that's what I would hope. Amy says no. I'm guessing not, because then it would be better. I think right. so. Yeah, and also their budget was thirty million dollars, so you know I was wondering about the budget. Yeah. So is is your your budget like for thirty million dollars? You couldn't even make that ship, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Need a lot more cash. I mean, unless unless you know you think of a scenario where think of it like cars, right? I mean, or or airplanes. The first airplane was like this handcrafted every piece thing, and if you count up how expensive it is it probably costs a lot of money and energy and effort, right? Right. Now, 100 years later, you can go out and buy a Toyota or whatever the heck. Uh, yeah, you can pump out a 747, no problem. Well, sure, ex exactly, right? I mean, I got a 747 parked in my garage. No yeah, people can't see it, but I can see it from here. <laughs> and so so it's it's that kind of stuff. We're, we're in the space where a spacecraft is it's very expensive you know because well i mean we have never what am i saying we've never built anything like serenity sometimes reality is a little confusing um so <laughs> maybe 500 years in the future they're like a car mortgage i i don't i don't know i hope so that'd be awesome if you could just go out and like oh i'll have this no, rent rent a spacecraft yeah. rent a yeah. hovercraft right it'd be like renting an rv like. you know you just kind of go this is mm -hmm. 500 years in the future and we have this like 
planets terraformed and in decades and a full society. I'm like, how much of this could we get to in 500 years, in 100 years? Yeah. Well, let's see. We've made a lot of progress in the last 100 years. So if you think about it, you know, 1920, what were we doing in 1920, right? Compared to now. Betting on sea biscuit. <laughs> That's true. Um, the Spanish flu? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same. Basically, we haven't, we haven't changed much at all. Yeah, I know, right? More things change. Uh, so I think we, we can make a lot of progress in a hundred right. years. It, it kind of depends on where as a collective, you know, civilization mm -hmm. we want to go. Do we want to yeah. spend the effort on developing this kind of technology that takes us off the earth? Do we want to spend our efforts fighting amongst ourselves? The party of Venus. <laughs> you know? Yeah, looking at Venus clouds. Um, okay, I got a, a couple quick ones. Um, uh -huh. I know we're running short on time here. Oh my First God. First of all, I know it's it flies by. I can talk. I to you never wanted to end. Yeah. Well, let's just have the podcast be the three of us from now on. I don't, let's you. not book any other guests. Okay. Yes. Um, it'll make Emily and I's job much easier anyway. So you know, <laughs> no matter the movie, it's you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. No. So they disguise the Serenity as a Reaver ship in order to get past the you know Reaver cluster of ships, right? And I found that a little bit hard to believe, just because like spaceships have different ways of recognizing each other right like instead of just by sight like i i just i don't know how believable it is that they would just look out the window and be like oh it has the same kind of markings that our ship has so it's cool like wouldn't they have some sort of i don't know like a signal or like radar code, or, yeah right yeah traditionally kind of like aircraft you know we i mean one would imagine we obviously don't really have this but one would imagine that just like an aircraft these kinds of spaceships would broadcast a signal on a specified frequency with a particular signature. That isn't to say just like you could do, you know, um, you could fake it. I mean, it's kind of like your phone, right? When you call your friend, your name shows up. But if you're smart enough, you could make another name show up, you know, oh, make right. your mom's name show up. I don't know, whatever. You can hack the system. So maybe that's what they're doing. Okay, so wait, piggybacking on that. Now that I'm thinking about it, the Reavers are kind of... Chaotic, yeah, cuckoo, yeah, almost so animalistic humans. So maybe they're not paying attention to call signs. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know? what's the culture like? Also on the Reaver ship, like, are they Who's giving driving like, it? Is right? there a chain of command on the? I Reaver? swear, I swear, this is, I, that's what I was thinking about this world. I'm like, shouldn't every ship be half on fire? Like, yeah, like, they seem like ravenous. No. <laughs> Yeah, how, I, I, I don't know, know because I'm like, ooh, have I seen a mob of people be really like crazy, still able to manage <laughs> to yeah, drive around? Yeah, to, to organize themselves into something. And I'm like, I think I have. Yeah, but I it's typically like one or the other. Like you're typically either like, you know, uh, Black Friday mob killing each other, stampeding each other or an organized federation of troops. Right, right, right. It's right. kind of, I don't know, you don't see both very often. I guess that's... Both so organized and so stampede, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough combo, I guess. Um, okay, my last question here, I wanted your thoughts, Amy, on the like uh, data communication uh, of the world because the main plot point here towards the end is that they're trying to get this video to Mr. Universe, who's able to send it to the world. And I was just thinking like, we have the ability now 500 years prior to this to send, you know, I can we transfer you guys two gigabytes of nudes. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I mean, not everyone, but we could. I could do it. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't take very long. <laughs> and I could do it across the planet. And I assume like you guys can do it to the ISS or whatever. So I've done it from many places of the world. Veronica's done it from all over the world. <laughs> so why wouldn't he like, why does he have to be there in person to give him this weird hard drive looking thing instead of because yeah, yeah, otherwise they wouldn't have that epic battle with the operative in the totally. room. Um, Got it. I mean, I think that's probably why. But so it, it's funny you're saying, though, because um, in my mind, when I was watching the movie and Firefly, I always sort of thought that they had many planetary systems. So mm -hmm. I was mentioning that to Robert Hurt. Love Robert Hurt. Yep. Old friend of the show. And uh, Robert dug up some info, which, you know, he's like, well, this is soft cannon. So, you know, be careful what you say about it. So that's my disclaimer. Soft cannon. Coming soft up. cannon. Unverified. Okay, okay, okay. Might be fake news. Um, <laughs> is that uh, apparently the verse quote is about five planetary systems, five stars close together with their planetary system. So actually the verse is not big at all. The oh. verse is kind of like, like Mr. Rogers neighborhood. It's okay. not like that's cute that city, which was, which was very interesting information. Thank you, Robert, for pointing that out. So Thank if you, it's true, then that solves a lot of the communication and traveling right. thing. Cause right, interplanetary travel, no matter how fast you go, distance between stars are vast. Yeah. The space is really empty. It takes a long time even if you travel at a good fraction of speed of light to go from point A to point B. So how the heck are they kind of instantaneous? I mean, you know, like it feels like the travel time on Serenity is a couple like of nothing. weeks or something, right? I mean, nothing yeah. long. And so what's going on there? Well, so that kind of five-star system thing could answer that question. So thank you, Robert. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that makes what, sense. What do you think of warp speed? Is this a, they don't ever go into warp, right? I didn't see warp um, speed. Not Definitely didn't talk I about it. Tell on Serenity or any of the fireflies. There's no such thing as warp. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, do you think there will be warp for us humans? Uh, you know, if I understood what warp was, then I could probably make a call, but I don't, so I have no idea. Teleportation. This is Amy. Is this like you have to watch Star Trek? Is it? I do. I am a big fan of Next Generation. Oh yay! Mm. Great. I mean, yeah. Okay, yeah, I could probably within five seconds of the opening credits tell you which episode. It's embarrassing that I just said wow. that, but I can. I thought I learned everything I needed about warp speed through Jordy, like or uh, data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm yeah. an now. No, I don't know. Is Star Trek: The Next Generation enough to qualify to work with you? Um, it helped. Okay. 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 Well, that wasn't as bad as I thought I was gonna. It's a pretty good chance that you just landed a sick job. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. This is great. That's cool. I'm excited um, now. Okay, I think I got through most of my sciencey questions. I have a bunch of stupid ones. I'll just end on this one, which is one of my Dumbo questions, I guess. Do we have any sort of foam healing technology? That looked incredibly useful. And kind of gross. And kind of gross, but pretty awesome. Like to have a huge gash and then fill it up. Like it doesn't seem that far fetched, I guess, that you can just fill up my freaking skin slash muscle with like a binding agent like why don't we have that i thought i thought of like uh those like liquid band-aids which actually made me a right. worse car. this car happened because of liquid band-aids whoa okay so we are anti-liquid oh, wow. band-aids i mean it just was like they put it on me and it was open so it stayed open wow so, so the tech do, is definitely uh, not there they do glue um i don't know what kind of glue folks use but in the medical field they do glue you know gashes together if if it's a cut or something they okay. do uh, sometimes use glue to do that rather than stitches. Although I think glue sounds so primitive. 
It, it does, isn't it? Um, the word. Yeah. But it's a special medical grade adhesive. There we go. Now you're talking. There, you go. there we go. Suddenly yeah. it's classy. Suddenly, Suddenly it sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Medical grade adhesive to suture your wounds. Yes, that's yes, perfect. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to tell me like you guys have some sort of secret foam healing tech and that it's coming out soon. But I, oh I guess... man, uh, you know if if they do, I don't know about it because I do. Yeah, I'm not your field. Yeah. Okay. It's not Star Trek. It's not all merged together into one beautiful. Yeah, thing. it'd be awesome if we did. Yeah. yeah. You know, fill it all up. It'd be great. Yeah. I would love that. Um, that would be amazing. Uh, I hope that we have that soon. Okay, so thank you guys, first of all, so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. This movie was fun. Um, Veronica, where can people find you? Obviously, they should listen to your podcast, your uh, Treks and the City. You're on the last season of Star Trek, so it's a great time to jump on. Yes, uh, you can start from the beginning with us and like watch it alongside with us. That's kind of what we wanted. Uh, and then, or you can jump on now and or watch the highlights. You can do whatever the hell you want because that's what we do in the podcast and that's the space we wanted to create for fans. So yeah, yeah. trust in the city. And then uh, I'm on my Instagram. Frankly, I am posting like little short films and stuff, just experimenting stuff. Um, cool. While the show, the, the show is not happening. And then I have a show in Spanish to promote, but listen i'm i don't think this is a place but yeah i'm doing a zoom play doing like monologues and stuff and it's amazing Whoa. it's been like a success so where can we see that i want to see that uh you can go to waterpeople.org and that is a, th a big theater company from venezuela and they've Ooh. been organizing they organized like a full theater festival on zoom and oh, great it was so crazy to to participate in it. Frankly, I'm I'm really excited about what entertainment's gonna be in the next decade or so because of the technology and what just happened this year. So if you yeah. want, if you know Spanish, if you want to see some Lorca monologues, hop yeah, on it. Waterpeople.org. October first. Cool. Okay, great. And where can people find you on Instagram to watch your shorts? Oh yeah, Veronica Sorio V. Then my last night, my second last name is Videra, so I just shortened. Very cool. Um, okay. Thank you for having me, Ethan. This is so fun. Oh, a delight to have you as always. Amy, where can people find out about you and what you're doing? Um, I, you know, I don't have a huge internet presence, really. So, uh, you know, if folks want to find out more about uh, the James Webb Space Telescope, I encourage you to visit the NASA website and look at uh, all the awesome videos we have and uh, keep an eye out for our launch coming up in uh, just over a year. And uh, I'm uh, that's going to be really exciting. And I'm sure there will be a lot of news coverage and media coverage on that. The end Great. of an era for you, Amy, right? Like it would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. Exactly. And then we can we can have you. I would love to have you in the Star Trek podcast. I mean, you're a fan, and you're. Uh, I'm gonna call you a space nerd. Sorry. Um, yeah, so. no, totally. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it would be so Definitely. great to have you. I think the fans would really enjoy it if you Me don't. Know. Okay, Perfect. great. And if and if you're listening and you are a Star Trek fan, uh, not only should you listen to uh, this, the podcast Treks in the City, but you already have a leg up to work for Dr. Amy Lowe, as we've discussed. So send in your resumes, and uh, you never know. <laughs> you never know, man. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know. Thank you for having me, Ethan. It was uh, it was so much fun. Absolutely, an absolute pleasure, both of you. And uh, see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Great bye. to meet you, Veronica. You too. Bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. And the executive pro-reverducer 
is Brett Kushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.